Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of where? Gath. So here's David fleeing from Saul, who should love him for him killing Goliath. And here he goes to Achish with Goliath's sword dragging behind him. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You've got to kind of think, what was David thinking at this point? I love it, though, because it kind of helps us to think about some of the schemes we've had. And I'm sure you all look back like I have and go, what in the world was I thinking? Well, verse 11, it says, But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Verse 12, David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. Now that's kind of interesting because as I first read those words where they knew who David was and were singing that, I have a feeling that they weren't singing it in a way that says, oh, well, we, you know, he's here and now we can kill him. I think they might have been thinking, hey, what's this guy doing here? I mean, he killed Goliath and he slain his ten thousands. They were probably thinking he was up to no good there and who knows who else he's got with him. But even though they may have been afraid, David is more afraid. He began to fear the king of Gath. So you can see right now something that's happening to David. You know, as we said before, David wasn't a perfect man. And he was still a young man. And he'd had a tremendous victory. But we can see here how that faith that he had is now by the circumstances that he's being thrown into, it's now turned to fear. First he's fearing Saul. Now he's fearing Achish. So even though he knew that God was the one that had delivered him from Goliath, he's now operating in fear. It kind of reminds you of Elijah, doesn't it? Remember Elijah had that great victory over the prophets of Baal and next thing you know he's running away from Jezebel. I think that speaks to us, doesn't it? It lets us know that when we have big victories in our Christian walk, it doesn't mean we've arrived there. It means look out because something else might happen and, and we might operate in fear ourselves. You know, the fear isn't unfounded here at all. I mean, in a natural sense, David should be afraid. He's in a, in a tough spot. But neither was the fear that his countrymen had when they were not wanting to face Goliath. It wasn't unfounded then either. But David didn't fear in that situation. He absolutely had no fear. He had complete faith that God was going to take care of him in that situation. And it's interesting because in this case, when you really think about it, I mean, yes, we can see that in a natural sense he should have some fear. But remember this. David knows that he's already been anointed the king of Israel. 
He's been told. Was David possibly thinking that God would not fulfill his promise to him? Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Oh, wait a minute. Who wrote that? David wrote that. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. David had been exalted because of his victory over Goliath. And he of all people should know that if he's going to operate in fear, it's going to bring a snare, and it already has. So application number three for us tonight. And I believe this is really important for us tonight here at Living Truth and for all Christians in America. We cannot operate in fear, brothers and sisters. And at this time in our country, we have reasons to be afraid. Our fear would not be unfounded, just like David's fear was not unfounded at this time. We can see a lot of things going on, and we can, it's obvious right now that we're headed towards persecution of the church. If you haven't seen that, I don't know what you've been reading or watching uh, recently here. But it is coming to America. And so we need to make a decision. Are we going to operate in fear or are we going to operate in faith? What you and I believe right now is going to be put to the test like it never has been before in our country. So we're going to have to ask ourselves some questions. Do, do we really believe Jesus when he says to us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? We're going to find out if we're really going to operate in faith. Because we are going to face persecution. Are we going to respond? And I know just by being on Facebook how many of us want to respond right now. But what did Jesus tell us? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Are we going to turn the other cheek? Are we going to go the extra mile with people as we find people are beginning to hate us? You know, for the most part, we've been in a place where we haven't felt the hatred of people for being a Christian. I know that sometimes in our lives we have. We've all gone through that with people here and there, but not the way that we're going to be seeing here. And then the question is, are we going to speak the truth in love or we are going to cower in fear because of the consequences that there may be when we speak the truth in love? Now, I, I want to be clear. I am not saying this to get you all fired up. I'm like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna. You know why? I don't want you to do that. Because I want us to be realistic, and I want us to go look at Peter, who said, yeah, Lord, everybody else is going to forsake you, but not me. I'm right here with you till the end. I'll die for you. And we know that wasn't the case. It's not a matter of us getting ourselves all fired up to do this. In fact, I don't think that's possible. What I really want to do is, is present this as a, as a somber warning to us that we need to be prepared for what's going to take place here. 
And if we want to respond in the way that Jesus taught us to respond, then we've got to prepare for that. How do we prepare for that? There's only one way, brothers and sisters, and that's for each of us to spend more time with Jesus. More time than we ever have. We need to get closer to Him than we ever have in our lives if we're going to be prepared to meet the challenge and if we're going to operate in faith rather than fear. And we're going to need to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit working through us more than we ever have in our life. I believe this with all my heart. But that's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to say, it's not about just what I do. It's about I need to spend more time with the Lord and I need to rely on the power of His Holy Spirit more and more in my life. Well, here's David in this real predicament. Now it's gotten worse, which by the way, doesn't it usually get worse once we've started lying and scheming? Doesn't it usually go downhill? Well, it does here. Verse 13, it says in verse 13, so David comes up with another great idea. It says, so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. I'm going to picture that. Achish said to his servants, look at the man, he's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Well, you've got to give David credit here. The biggest mess he was in, but at least he had some kind of quick thinking and came up with some kind of plan. And of course the thing is, is that you know, the king, you know, this would be beneath him to have a person like this in his presence. So, so it obviously worked. I don't know if that's what God gave him or not, but I'll tell you this, it wouldn't be unlike God to give him that idea because it made David really humble himself, didn't it? to make himself act crazy in front of the king here and drool all over himself. And so despite David's scheming and the bad judgments that he's made and lying to the priest, God allows this ploy to work and David survives. Why? Because David was going to survive because it was God's sovereign will for him to survive. God had a plan for David and that plan was going to happen. Now, here's what's really interesting. If you turn over to Psalm 34 now, Psalm 34. And again, we know that David wrote many of these psalms. And so I want us to read uh, verses 1 through 22 of Psalm 34. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. 
Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. In the face of the Lord, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. Now, you would think that David wrote that psalm after one of his great victories, but you know what? It's not true. He wrote it concerning this whole event that had just taken place. This whole event that had just taken place, and you can research that. You've seen even some of your Bibles will say, David wrote this concerning this episode where he had to act like a madman. Now, how immediately after that he did it, I don't know for sure, but it had to have been soon thereafter. And so in a certain sense, you see David here, you know, he, he's exhorting people not to lie, and yet he knows what he did. It's an amazing thing. Verse 22, the last one of that says, the Lord redeems his servants. So he, David knows that even though he messed up, even though he did wrong, the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. What a beautiful verse. What does that remind you of in the New Testament? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have taken refuge in him. What a beautiful verse. So David wrote that at this terrible time in his life. And I think it came probably very soon after he reflected on what he had done and how the Lord had yet delivered him, even though he had not done it the way God would want him to do it. And again, as I said before, you think that David would learn from this situation, but he doesn't completely learn from that situation. We know that, that David makes this huge mistake again with Bathsheba, and then he makes another scheme to cover up his sin, and it results once again in a person loyal to him Dying, basically dying for David. So our last application for tonight. There's a couple of things that we get here. Number one, I hope for you, as it is for me, that when we read about the weaknesses of David, but we know that God considered him a man after his own heart, it brings us some blessing, doesn't it? It reminds us that we are not going to be perfect. We never will be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And yet, the Lord redeems His servants. And so that brings us a blessing. On the other hand, it brings us a real exhortation here. And in fact, the exhortation comes from David himself after he does it. Um, if you look back in verses 12 through 14 again, just look back there real quick in 12 through 14. He says, whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from 
evil and your lips from speaking lies. So he exhorts us at the same time that we get blessed because we know he didn't always do it. There's some other verses in there if we look at it, and I'm just going to let you, for time's sake, go back and maybe reread that psalm uh, maybe tonight when you get home. But we see that there's some other verses in here, and it, it shows us that when we're tempted to rely on our own schemes, we can think about all the promises, and I think there's maybe seven in there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, go back and read those tonight. You'll read promise after promise after promise that God makes to us. And so David exhorts us that we don't have to do what he did when we're in that situation, that we don't have to lie and scheme our way out, but we can trust God because he gives us all these promises that tell us how much he loves us, cares about us, and wants to take care of us. And so we have one more question that we want to ask ourselves tonight. When we get in those situations, what is it that keeps us from relying upon God and instead trying to devise our own schemes? What is it? Well, I'm going to tell you it's really pretty simple, and I think you'll agree if you really think about this. It's really our lack of trust in God and not always believing that he's going to keep the promises that he's given to us. Amen? We love to say, no, I believe God in everything. But then when we get in those tough situations, sometimes, you know, we've read all these promises that God will see us through. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. You know, we know that God has given us all these promises. He said that he who began a good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ. We know that. And yet we get in these tough situations and sometimes we just struggle really believing it. That's what happened to David here. He had a lack of trust that God was going to fulfill the promise he'd given to him to be king. And he came up with his own scheme. But here's the great thing, is we can read through the Bible and see how many times in the Bible when God promised something, did he deliver? Can you remember a time in the Bible when you read God promised something and then he didn't deliver? He delivered. He's like pizza man. He delivers. Oh good, I got a couple of That means some of you guys... Thank you. Bless your heart. Some of you young guys have no clue on that one, but somebody remembers. God always delivers on his promises. Always. It may not always look like what we think it's going to look like. And it usually isn't in the timing that we want it to be in, but he always keeps his promises throughout history. He always has and he always will. And right now we have the greatest example of all time. And that is the fact that Israel is a nation once again. And that the Jewish people are the only people in the history of the world that lost their homeland, were scattered abroad, and yet maintained a national identity and were restored to their homeland. That's never happened with any other people group in the history of the world. God promised them that there would be a remnant. And there is today. And they're gathering in Israel now. And more and more will be coming soon. It was predicted in Isaiah 21 and, or 10.21 and many other verses that you can find that. God kept his promise to the nation of Israel and he will keep every single promise he's ever made to you. He will deliver. 
when you know that, when you can believe that, then you know that when you're in that pickle, you can go to Him for refuge. You can seek His plan and follow His plan and not devise your own schemes. And when you're in that situation, then you'll begin to look to Him for your deliverance. Just like the disciples finally did on the boat. When they knew they had no place else to go, they were going to drown. They finally went to the Lord. And He delivered them. God will keep every promise He's ever made to you and I. We can put our trust and faith in that. And tonight, if you've never done that, if you've never given the light, your life to the Lord, and if you've never said, hey, I want to follow Him, and I want to receive the promises He has for me tonight, I hope that you will listen to what we've said. And that tonight will be the night for you to give your life to the Lord. So, would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, just thank you again for your word. Um, your word is so clear to us, Lord, in, in these areas that we can always, always, always trust you. Lord, if we don't know anything else in this life, we should know that we can trust you with our lives. Because you've proven to us, just like you did to David, just like you did to Moses, just like you did to Joseph, we could go on and on that you always deliver on your promises. So I pray, Lord, if there is anyone here tonight that has not received you as Savior and Lord, um, has not experienced um, being able to look to you and to receive from you and, and to know your promises and to be able to trust in those, I pray that you would speak, speak to their heart right now. And if that's you tonight, I just ask that you would uh, just speak to the Lord in the quietness um, of your heart, you can speak to the Lord and ask Him right now. And it's just something like this. Uh, Jesus, I realize that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And so tonight, Lord, I ask that you would come into my life and in my heart and that I could receive the promises that I'm hearing about tonight. And Lord, that I can turn from my sin and I can come to you and confess and that you would cleanse me me from all unrighteousness tonight, Lord. So I ask you into my heart as Lord and Savior. And I ask that in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for each person here, I pray tonight if any of them are in a pickle um, and they've been devising and scheming, Lord, that tonight they'll say, all right, I'm going to stop doing that and I'm just going to seek the Lord. Lord, I'm going to run to you for refuge and sit in that place and wait upon you for the answers as to what I'm supposed to be doing. And Lord, I, I pray that you would deliver from anyone who's in that kind of a situation tonight, that you would fulfill your promises in their life and in their, uh, in their situation, God. Lord, for many that are here tonight that may have physical issues, I am just going to ask for your healing tonight. God, that you would touch their bodies, bring relief from their pain. But Lord, most of all, we just want to pray for your will to be done in our life because no matter what, Lord, uh, your will is what is best for us and that's what we want. So would you just have your way in each of us tonight, God? Would you move us to uh, be following you? And Lord, would you uh, speak to each heart tonight about spending more time with you and being closer to you to prepare, Lord, for what we are going to be facing here so that we will do it in the way, God, that you want us to do it that we won't be doing it in our own strength, and our own power, 
uh, and even more so, Lord, in our own fleshly uh, hatred. But Lord, that we will be responding in the love that you have given to us and that you told us, freely you have received, freely give. And so I'm asking that you would strengthen us in that, Lord. So we uh, just ask these things, Lord, and we just want to praise your name as we close out tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes it's hard for people to accept that God loves them. Yes. You know, Paul said in Galatians 2.20 that Christ loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul, uh, in his previous life as Saul, interestingly enough, he was named Saul, was a very religious man. But his religion was more having to do with the outside. Mm -hmm. Looking good, saying the right things, wearing the right clothes, fasting. But he was far away from God. And he saw the gospel as his enemy, really. He saw Christ as his enemy. And then he was confronted with the love of Christ on the road to Damascus, the power of Christ. And that he was persecuting the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have a moment where Maybe we realize, man, that's me. I've been persecuting people who know the Lord. But then we come to meet the Christ who loved us. You know, First Peter 2.24 describes him as the lover of our souls, um, the shepherd and guardian of our souls. And, and I think that's what you're getting at there is that you can come into a relationship with a God who already loved you while you were yet a sinner. He died for you. And he wants you to come into that love relationship with him, a covenant of love, um, where you can find true refuge and rest. And my friend, I would just say this to you, if you want to make this official right now, and there's no perfect prayer, but it is something like this. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I repent of my sin, and I'm going to put my faith in you. Thank you for loving me and going to that cross for me dying for my sins and I'm going to trust you right now as my Lord and Savior. If you made a decision to trust Christ or if you've rededicated your life, please let us know. There's a contact form at Living Truth Radio where you can submit prayer requests. You can let us know if the program is a blessing to you. Hopefully it is. Let us know who you are, what station you listen on. Um, That would be great. We're always encouraged by your emails and your notes. And there's an easy way to send a note through Living Truth Radio. Go to the contact form and just submit a prayer request or just uh, a note of encouragement. We we read all of those and we deeply appreciate them. Also want to let you know that you can give to Living Truth Radio. If you go to the website, livingtruthradio.org, click on Donate. You'll see a picture of Pastor Michael. That's me up there. It's a fairly recent picture. I keep joking that it's a high school picture, but it's fairly recent. (laughs) Click on Donate and make sure you indicate that your donation is for radio ministry. On behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Shane Lance, who's helping us with the recording today, this is Pastor Michael Lance. Tell a friend about the program you're hearing on your station, and we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, Learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. You can follow us on Instagram, at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.